Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are a wonderful, wonderful group of people. If anyone comes through here telling you differently, they're a false prophet. Mark that individual. You're wonderful, wonderful people. I taught, uh, what, three classes yesterday. And let me tell you what. You are so attentive, so respectful, so willing to learn that absolutely bless my heart. Thank you for your tenderness, for your love for God. I appreciate that so very much. I want to say thank you to the president. We love our president here. And his beautiful wife. Thank you so much for the invitation to be mowing chair. Let me tell you something funny. Some lady contacted me. She saw it on Facebook. And she said, I see your mowing chair. She said, are you in lawn work now? <laughs> I said, no, that's not it. <laughs> but we appreciate it so very, very much. <laughs> I want to say thank you to my wonderful son for being such a great host. He couldn't imagine life without me. <laughs> he called me one Mother's Day and said, Mom, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day to you. And I said, Son, just think. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be celebrating today. And he said, Mom, just think. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be celebrating anything. <laughs> How many knows it's wonderful to have fun? Laughter is healing. Weeping is cleansing. As long as your eyes leak, your head won't swell. So we need to laugh and we need to cry. That's emotions God's placed within us. Let me say, Morgan Mead, it's good to see you today. Good friend of mine. Thank you for being here, sweetheart. Good to see you. Hallelujah. Well, my grandson, when I left this morning, said, Nani, tell him about me. Just tell him about me. So I promised him I would. I cannot say no to that little boy. I cannot. It wasn't any problem me say no to that one, but I cannot say no to him. <laughs> How many knows what I'm talking about? Sure you do. His mother one day said to him, Steele, I'm going to put this box out so you put your toys in there that you don't play with as often. And he said, why? And Rhonda, <clears throat> excuse me, and Rhonda said, because we're going to give it to some little boy that doesn't have toys. And he said, why? And she said, it will tell him that we love him and Jesus loves him. He said, well, just give him my Bible. That'll tell him Jesus loves him. <laughs> Don't have to give him toys. Let me say thank you to the praise team. You have done an excellent job 
bringing us into the presence of God. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Folks, worship, and I liked our pastor that prayed after worship, after the word, then what? Worship is not activity. Worship is attitude. Worship is not lip service. Worship is lifestyle. Amen? Long after the music stops, I'll still be worshiping. Why? He'll still be God. Amen? Hallelujah. I'll still be worshiping. So worship team, thank you for bringing us into the presence of God. Folks, I'll tell you, I can be brought into the presence of God, but I haven't worshiped until I respond to his presence. I have to respond to the presence of God. Worship is for him. The word is for me. Have you ever left a service, looked up and said, God, did you get anything out of me being in church today? Did I worship? It's for him. So we say thank you for the worship today. Amen. Revelations 1 and 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which was, which is, and which is to come, the Almighty. I want to minister to you today on this subject, a fresh revelation of the exalted Christ. If there's anything we need in this day and time, we need a fresh revelation of who he is. Folks, we can go through the motion of worship. I can lift my hands without thinking. I can clap my hands without thinking. But that doesn't mean I'm worshiping. But when I see him for who he is in a fresh and a real way, then I begin to lift my hands and I begin to clap my hands. Then I have begun to worship. Amen. A fresh revelation of who he is. I'm going to ask you a question as I start in this message this morning. What is your concept of Jesus Christ? Is it a doctrinal concept that says I believe in him because I've heard about him? That's the way I believe in George Washington. I never met George Washington. I know that surprises some of you. But I never met George Washington. (laughs) The only way I know him is because I've heard about him. Is your concept of Jesus Christ a conformative concept that says it conforms to what my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my aunt, my uncle want me to conform to? Or is it a relational concept that says I know he's Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, because he's alive within my spirit and in my soul? We're going to deal with three individuals this morning that saw him. Isaiah saw the one that was. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain they covered their feet, with twain they covered their face, and with twain they did fly. And one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, I said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, dwell in the midst of an unclean people. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. Lord of hosts, one of the seraphims flew unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, laid it upon my mouth, and said, This has touched thy lips, thine iniquity taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? 
<coughs> excuse me, who will go for us? Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Now let me say something. If we get, I'll get back up here, don't worry about it. If we get a live coal, it's going to come from the altar, not the fellowship hall or the gym. A live coal from the altar. Isaiah said, when I saw the Lord, conviction took over. His face became a mirror unto me. I saw myself for who I really was. Let me tell you something, church. I still believe in conviction. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. And let me tell you something. People can draw a crowd, but only the Holy Spirit can draw people. And we need to get that in our spirit. Whatever I do in the natural, it's not going to convict anybody or draw anybody. But when the Holy Spirit is alive in me, working through me, and the Holy Spirit, I'm in the presence of the Holy Spirit, there will be conviction there if things are not right. Amen? Amen. He said conviction took over. Pastoring First Assembly in Radcliffe one Sunday evening. During the altar service, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, check to be sure that everybody's ready to meet God before they leave. I looked around and I thought, I think they are. God said, check to be sure. So I got up and I said, folks, I just want to be sure that everybody's ready to meet God before we leave tonight. Pray with me. We prayed together. Dismissed, went home. Wednesday evening, the following Wednesday evening, I received a phone call or Wednesday afternoon. A lady from the state of Wyoming said to me, are you the pastor's wife of First Assembly of God in Radcliffe, Kentucky? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, let me tell you this story. My son, stationed at Fort Knox, was getting out of the service. He called me about 10 o'clock Sunday evening on his way home. And he said, Mom, on my way home tonight, before I left the city, I stopped at Assemblies of God Church in Radcliffe, Kentucky. For the first time in my life, 22 years old, he said, a little lady got up. Now they say little old lady. But a little lady got up and asked us to check our hearts to be sure we're ready to meet God. For the first time in my life in 22 years, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior sitting on the back row. Mom, if I don't make it home, I will see you on the other side. She said, Miss Tennyson, three o'clock Monday afternoon, doorbell rang, went to the door, state police standing there and said, ma'am, I'm sorry, there's been an accident and your son did not make it. She said, I had to call and thank you for giving my son one more opportunity to make heaven his home. And now I'll meet him on the other side. What happened? Conviction took over. Amen? Conviction took over. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was there. But folks, he didn't leave him at conviction. He took him from conviction to transformation. What does transformation mean? It simply means I'm free to obey God. That's what transformation means. But he didn't keep him at transformation. He took him from there to purification. He took a live coal and purified him. 
You know why the three Hebrew children were not burned in the midst of the fiery furnace? Because they were hotter than the fire they is in. Amen? That's called backfire. When you get hotter than the fire you're in, amen, you're not going to be burned. Hallelujah, God. He took a live coal, laid it upon my lips, and purified me. Then he said he took me from conviction to transformation to purification on to commitment. He said, I was ready to be committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. God said, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here, Lord, send me. Amen. I've been convicted. I've been purified. I've been transformed. And now I'm ready to be committed. He saw a fresh revelation of the one that was. Amen. Let's go on. Number two. Stephen saw the one that is. As he was being stoned to death, he said, and the heavens opened, and I saw the glory of God, and I saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Now, in that custom, when you witness for anybody's life, you could not do it seated. You had to do it standing. What was Jesus doing? Witnessing for Stephen's life. And he said, the glory of God. I was sharing with Brother Nick's class last night about the glory of God. I've seen the glory of God with a natural eye twice in my life. First time I saw the glory of God, I was six years old. The church that we attended was across the street from our home. Tuesday morning, the ladies had prayer meeting at 10 o'clock in the summertime. Well, we didn't have air conditioning then. The windows were up, and you could hear them pray for a mile. Now we pray sometimes like prayer has died, and we're offering our last respects. <laughs> you may say God's not deaf. No, he's not nervous either. Amen? <laughs> My mother did not always get to go to the prayer meetings. She had four children at home, eight and under. I was one of them. I'm sure I'd be enough to stay home for her. I have a feeling I was a hyperactive child. Of course, they didn't know what to call it. They kindly made me behave at times. Didn't know something wrong, maybe. But anyway, she was out at the clothesline one Tuesday morning. Now, for you younger people, a clothesline is a pole on this end. There's a pole on this end, and there's wire stretched between the two poles. And then there's little wooden pegs called clothespins. And you take the clothespins, and you hang the clothes on the line, and the wind and the sun will dry your clothes. My mother's at the clothesline. A salesman came to the clothesline and said, Excuse me, ma'am, what kind of institution is that across the street? She said, it's a church. He said, what are they doing? She said, they're praying. He said, have you looked over there lately? She said, no, sir. He said, there's a ball of fire, a cloud that's going across that building, not touching the roof, just gently moving across. He said, I tried to go over and check it out. Ma'am, there's a force greater than me that will not allow me to get in that area. 
My mother ran in the house and she said, children, I want you to look out the windows and the door. I want you to see the glory of God at least one time in your life. Honey, I looked out that window, saw that ball of fire and cloud moving across that church so gently. That morning, they carried a lady in on stretcher. Oh, they had given her three weeks to live. She was dying with a disease of the lungs called tuberculosis. They gave her three weeks to live, carried her in. She walked out out and still alive today. Whoa, hallelujah, God. I saw the glory of God. The second time I experienced, let me water my teeth here, amen. It won't make them grow. It'll just keep them wet so I can preach. Somebody said, are those your real teeth? I said, they are. I have the receipt for them. <laughs> Anything I buy, I feel like belongs to me. Amen. <laughs> when we experienced the terrible tragedy of the bus that I shared with you, how many remembers what I told you about yesterday? Where we lost 27 precious people when a drunken driver hit our church bus. Caught on fire, we lost three staff members and 24 young people. Our church went through a period of bereavement, anger, depression, you name it, and they had it. We couldn't worship. We couldn't worship, brother. My husband said, honey, we can't continue going this way. Dottie Pierman was the associate pastor's widow. Dottie lost her husband had a child, 14 years old, a daughter burnt over 65% of her body and lived. Had a 12-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter. She was not able to return to church immediately after the tragedy. She had to stay in the hospital with this daughter. First Sunday she returned, she walked upon the platform to sing in a praise team. She began to sing that song we did, Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. My heart sings your praise again. And she said, God, I can't sing that. I have nothing to praise you for. I'm a 34-year-old widow. I have a child burnt beyond recognition. I have two others that I have no way to make a living for. I'm going to tell you something, folks. God doesn't get upset with you when you don't understand. Remember when Elijah was running from the Baal sisters. Jesse was her name. And he said, I just want to die. And God said, it's going to take more than a widow at Zarephath. It's going to take more than a raven at Brook Cherith. Today, I'm going to send an angel to minister unto him. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. When ordinary methods will not avail themselves for God to let you know that he loves you, he will employ an extraordinary way. Get that in your spirit. He will employ an extraordinary way. He said to Dottie, would you offer me a sacrifice of praise? She said, I will. We got to that part that says, and my heart sings your praise again. She lifted her hand Begin to worship. 
And folks, when she did, the power of God hit her. She began running across that platform, waving both hands, praising God. And I want to tell you what, that church turned loose. There was about 900 or 1,000 there that Sunday morning. They began to run. They began to shout. They began to have a Jericho march. They did everything you could do and still be right all over that auditorium. Amen? When they settled down at 1130, there was a glory cloud that came into the building. It hung halfway down. You could not see the ceiling. Out of the cloud came a voice. And here's what the voice said. My children, not for a moment did I leave you. I have been here the whole time. I have walked every step of the way with you. I am still your God. I am still with you. Today, I chose to make my presence visible unto you so you would know that I'm still your God. Amen? <laughs> Folks, I want to tell you something. Those precious people stood from 1130 Sunday morning until 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon, worshiping God under a glory cloud. When that cloud left, we dismissed and went home. Never again were we bothered by that spirit of grief, bereavement, anger. God had totally set that church free that day. Amen. Oh, shout now, church. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. Stephen said, I saw the glory of God. Saw God the Father. And I saw Jesus, the one that is, standing at the right hand of the Father. Let's look at the one that is for a moment. He can be found. Let me get back up here. He can be found in every book of this Bible. In Genesis, he's the seed of woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud by day and the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's captain of my salvation. In Judges, he's judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's my kingsman redeemer. Oh, in 1st and 2nd Samuel, he's trusted prophet. 1st Kings, 1st Chronicles, he's ever reigning king. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the broken down walls that's in my life. In Esther, he's my Mordecai. In Job, he's ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he's a good shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's my wisdom. Oh, in Song of Solomon, he's my lover and bridegroom. Oh, in Isaiah, he's a prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's a branch of righteousness. In Lamentations, he's a weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's a wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man. In the fiery furnaces of our life. In Hosea, he's a faithful husband. In Joel, He's baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's burdened bare. In Obadiah, he's mighty one to save. In Jonah, he's a great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's a master with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Abaca, he's a voice crying, revive thy works in the midst of thy years. Oh, in Zephaniah, he is Savior. Want me to go on? Yeah. Okay. Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. Zechariah, he's a fountain open up in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And Malachi, he's the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Amen. Let me get a drink. You want me to finish up? 
In Matthew, he's Messiah. In Mark, he's wonder worker. In Luke, he's son of man. In John, he's son of God. In Acts, he's a fire from heaven. In Romans, he's justifier. First Second Corinthians, he's sanctifier. Oh, in Galatians, he's redeemer from the law. In Ephesians, he's Christ unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's a God that supplies all of my needs. In Colossians, he's a fullness of the Godhead bodily. First Second Thessalonians, he's soon coming king. First Second Timothy, he's mediator between God and man. Oh, hallelujah, God. Excuse me, in Titus, he's a faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Oh, in Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's a great physician. Oh, first sec Peter, he's chief shepherd. First sec third John, he's love. In Jude, he's a savior come up with 10,000 of his saints. In Revelations, he's king of kings and he's Lord of Lord. Hallelujah, God. That's who he is. That's who he is. Hallelujah, Lord. He's King of Kings and he's Lord of Lords. Stephen saw what it is. The one that is. Let's stop and worship him for just a moment. Hallelujah, God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated if you want. If you don't, you don't have to. Amen. Hallelujah, God. Stephen said, I saw the one that is. Folks, we need a fresh revelation. We know how to do church. We do church well. But are we having a move of God? That makes the difference. We need a move of God. God, we need some miracles. We need to see God move in a fresh way. Pastor friend of ours many years ago, this generation probably will not, may have never heard the name, Dr. C.M. Ward, was preaching for us one time. He was on, used to be a choir called Revival Time. And then he was the preacher for that Revival Time choir. Dr. Ward said one day, he told us how God revealed himself to him in a fresh way. He said, I went to a convention, missions convention, in Bakersfield, California. And he said, I pledged $1,000 that wasn't in our budget. And he said, the enemy said to him, how are you going to tell your board about $1,000 is not in your budget. I want to stop here and tell you something today, young people. And if you're a little older, you too. Let me tell you something. When God speaks, you don't have to make it happen. I don't have to figure out how I'm going to do it. When God speaks, He will make it happen, okay? Get that worry off your brain. Let God do it. And he said, Monday morning, I'm walking the floor. God, I need $1,000. I'm praying in $1,000. And he said, I heard a vehicle drive up. And he thought, uh-oh, somebody's coming in here for a handout. And I'm praying, trying to pray in $1,000. He said, the gentleman had on work boots, mud all over his clothes, 
And he said, I'm going to give him $2 and send him on his way. I've got to pray in $1,000. Can you hear us? I got. You don't got. Wonderful English, but you still don't got. And he said, the gentleman knocked on the door. He said, I went to the door. And he said, are you Reverend Ward? I'm sorry I get in front of you. Are you Reverend Ward? And he said, well, yes, sir, I am. He said, Reverend Ward, do you have a counter check on the First National Bank? Now, young people, a counter check. <laughs> it's a check that doesn't have your name or address on it. It's a check that anybody can use if they do business with that bank. That's what a counter check is. And he said, I'm thinking, not only is he wanting a handout, he's wanting me to write him a check. And I'm trying to pray in $1,000. And he said, Reverend Ward, I'm a farmer outside of town here. I hear you on the radio. Really enjoy hearing you. When I passed by the church today, God said, go in there and give Reverend Ward $1,000. He said, if you'll write the check, I'll sign it. Brother Ward said, I was busy writing a check. And he said, hold it just a minute, Reverend Ward. It seems like God said, make that check for $1,002. <laughs> know what the two dollars he said it's all about but let's obey God and we'll make it for a thousand and two dollars brother Ward said I think I heard God laugh and he said when the gentleman left the Lord spoke to his heart and said son how long is it going to take you to realize when I speak I make it happen Young people, in life, if you can begin to say, God, I trust you. We are wearing ourselves out trying to make things happen. When God is saying, all I want you to do, Jesus said to see me in a fresh way. That's what I want you to do. Let me reveal myself unto you. And when I speak, you don't have to bring it to pass, but I will make it so. I am bound by my word to make it so. And God's word does not lie. Amen. Amen. Stephen said, I saw the one that is. Saw the one that is. And folks, today we need that fresh revelation of who he is in our hearts and in our lives. The one that I told you about yesterday. The, the who that I told you about that's incomparable in his person. Unsurpassed in his performance. Omnipotent in his pronouncements. Oh, that's who he is. As I said, he's, oh, he cannot uh, figure out how can do. But folks, we still serve a supernatural God that's unsurpassed in his performance and that wants to work in the lives of those that will allow him to work and have a fresh revelation of who he is, what he can do. We still serve a supernatural God that we are not able to figure out, but we've got to say, God, I believe in who you are. I believe you can do what you say you can do. You are a supernatural God. 
And we need to get this in our spirit today in a fresh and a real way. Stephen said, I saw the one that is. The one that is, folks, is still working. My husband and I and our son went to First Assembly of God in Radcliffe in 1978. God began to bless. We began to grow. We started out with 52 people. And God began to bless, not because of us. One plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. Amen. We had purchased 17 acres of property, about a half a mile from where our present facility was located. The mayor calls my husband one day and said, Reverend, we're not zoning that property commercial. You cannot build on that property. We're not running sewer lines or water lines down there. So you're not going to be able to build on that property. My husband came home from church office one Friday. We're going to make some calls. And he said, honey, let's agree for two weeks that God will open the door for us to build. It's his. God had already spoken and said to my husband, this is the property. Let me stop here and say something to you. There's no higher promotion you can get in life than being in the perfect will of God. You can't go any higher. My husband said that is property is the will of God. Quit second guessing God. That's the property God wants us to build on. We prayed. About a week later, we went to a town called Elizabethtown, Kentucky to make hospital calls. After we finished with our hospital calls, my husband said, do you want to go get something to eat and you won't have to cook when you get home? Well, cooking is not my ministry. And I just hate to get out of the will of the Lord. (laughs) We went to this little restaurant that served home-cooked meals. Just gotten our meal. A gentleman walked up to the table and said, excuse me, to my husband. I've got a word from the Lord for you. Now, folks, we don't take every word that goes around. We've got to know we're hearing from God. My father used to tell us children, anybody with horse sense has a stable mind. You'll get that in a minute. (laughs) My husband looked at the gentleman and said, say on. The gentleman looked at my husband and said these words. Sir, you're in the will of God. Stay where you are. Don't move. There's a victory that's coming your way that you never thought was possible. But stay where you are. Don't move. I'm going to stop here today. Just now, the Holy Spirit has spoken to my spirit. I'm going to stop and obey. Somebody needs to stay where they are. You're contemplating a move. And God is saying today, stay where you are. I'm about to work out something in your situation that you never thought was possible. But don't move and take yourself out of my will. I don't know who you are, but God is speaking to someone today. We'll go on. He left. 
My husband said to the gentleman, say on. He said, there's going to be a victory coming your way. When he was finished, he left. I said to my husband, or the waitress said to my husband first, did you know him? He said, no, ma'am, but I needed what he had to say. And I said to my husband, I'm going to find out who he is. And he said, honey, take it from the Lord and let it alone. I'm not made that way. I chased him across the parking lot. How many believes I would do that? You folks learn very quickly. <laughs> he was in a station wagon. Remember station wagons? <laughs> he was in a station wagon. I stopped him and I said, sir, I appreciate you obeying God. My husband and I, and he said, I don't need to know who you are or where you're from. I said, could I have your name and number? He said, my name and number's not important. I had a message to deliver from the Lord. I've delivered it, and I'll be on my way. I said, you could be an angel. He smiled and said, could be. Got in a station wagon and drove off. I took his license number. <laughs> I can still tell you what it is. Montgomery County, Kentucky. Now, we had a policeman in our church. And I said, Sergeant Lockhart, put this on the computer and tell me who it belongs to. <laughs> he came back in a couple of days, tears rolling down his face. And he said these words, Sister Tennyson, no such number in the state of Kentucky. I checked the city, the county, and the state computers. There's no such number in the state of Kentucky. What do I believe? I believe God dispatched an angel from glory. Put him in the form of a man. Sent him to us to give us a message. You might say, if he's an angel, why didn't he have wings on? Honey, it cleared me and the restaurant out with me. Amen? He just sent him in form of a man. Two days later, the mayor calls my husband and said, Reverend, we had a council meeting last evening. We just voted your property commercial. We're going to run sewer lines, water lines. You can build whatever you want to on that property. Today, there is a building that seats over a 1,000 people and two school buildings on that property. What am I saying? Oh, when we see the one that is, and the one that is says to us, I know where you are. I know why you're where you are. And I know what to do about where you are. Amen? I am still God. Oh, hallelujah, God. I am still God. Let's finish up. Isaiah saw the one that was. Stephen saw the one that is. John the Revelator saw the one that is to come. How many knows he's coming? He's coming. John the Revelator said, In the midst of the seven candlesticks, I saw one like to a man clothed in a garment down to the foot, girded about his paps with golden girdle, his eyes and hair were like white wool, as white as the snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet looked like the fine brass had been burned in a furnace. Oh, his voice was the sound of many waters. He said, In his right hand he held seven stars. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. His countenance shone as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand upon me and said, Fear not. I'm the first and the Last time he that liveth and was alive forevermore. What am I saying, folks? John the Revelator saw the one that is to come. He said, I've got the keys of death and of hell. Honey, we're so worried about what the enemy's going to do. He doesn't even have the keys to his own home.
knows the one we serve has the keys. Amen? He has the keys. He said, and the heavens opened, and I saw a white horse, and he that sat upon it was called Faithful and True. In righteousness he did judge and make war. On his head he wore many crowns. He had a name that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies that followed him in heaven on white horses were dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, with it to smite the nations, and fear with a vengeance of the wrath of iron. And on his vesture and on his thigh was a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. That's the one that is to come. Folks, he came the first time through a woman and no one saw him. He's coming the second time in clouds and every eye shall behold him. He came the first time in, ma- in meekness. He's coming the second time in majesty. He came the first time and they said, where's he that born the king of the Jews? He's coming the second time as king of kings and lord of lords. He came the first time to die. He's coming the second time to raise the dead. Amen. He came the first time, folks, in humility. He's coming the second time in honor. He came the first time as lamb. He's coming the second time as lion of the tribe of Judah. He came the first time, folks, with an escort of angels. He's coming the second time with 10,000 of his saints. Whoa! And I want to be one of them. Amen? Hallelujah, God. His name is Jesus. Did I hurt you? His name is Jesus. He's coming. He's coming. Folks, Isaiah saw the one that was. Stephen saw the one that is. And John the Revelator saw the one that is to come. God, give us a fresh revelation of who Jesus is today. Give me a fresh revelation. For just a moment, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask a question today. And I just want to be sure. Is there anyone that would say, I've known him and walked away from him, or I've never known him? I just want to be sure. I just want to be sure. How many know Jesus is the baptizer? How many would say, I've never received the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I'm hungry for him? Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. How many would say with me today, I just need a fresh revelation of who he is. I'm raising my hand today. Oh, I'm tired of just going through the motion. But I want to see him in a fresh way. In a fresh way. Hallelujah. Before we come to pray, I'm going to ask a couple, three people some questions. Brother President, you know him. Has he ever done anything for you? Tell me one thing. Mm. What has he done for me? So many things. Um, He's kept me alive from a chaotic, chaotic childhood. Kept him alive from a chaotic childhood. Sister President, you know him. Has he ever done anything for you? Yes, he's delivered me from fear and anxiety. Praise God. Deliverance from fear and anxiety. Son, you better know him. He saved my son's life. He saved your son's life. He sure did. Pastor, 
You know him? Has he ever done anything for you? Uh, he restored my marriage. Restored his marriage. I'm getting you to thinking today. It's what I'm doing. Brother Nick, has he ever done anything for you? Yeah, he's growing up. I had a really difficult um, situation at home, but God gave stability. God gave strength, and I'm here today. Praise, Praise God. God. Jason, has he ever done anything for you? Josh, Josh. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Uh, he's healed my body countless times. I'm going to tell you, if I went over this auditorium today, how many knows? Testimony after testimony. Here's what he's done for me. I didn't get you because you got something over your mouth, and I didn't want you to have to take it off. But I know he's done for you. For one moment before we come to pray, and those that lifted their hand for the baptism, I will call you first. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to start from the time you were saved. I want you to walk through your life. And all along the way, I want you to stop and say, I remember when I was going through this and how he stepped in and brought me through. As our brother sings today, would you please?